This is it. What's up, Nick? It's been a long time in the making. One year, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It is myself, Stephen, uh, Nick, a.k.a. Hansel, and our guest today is Natalie Starr. Uh, and we are attempting to uh, record the first ever Radio Adventure Labs podcast, which is going to get a much better name than that. But this is so raw, we haven't thought of a name yet. Uh, so... Uh, but at least we got a star of the show. We do. We do. Hey, We're, look at you with your puns. Wow. That it just hit me. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were lucky enough to get Natalie today because she came in yesterday and with this jaw-dropping bike frame, trail donkey, that she had painted uh, and had been brewing on for months. How many months? Two or three? Oh, gosh. I think it actually was longer than months. I think yeah. I've been thinking about it for years. Okay. It's been in your head for years and... Chris had the frame for uh, two or three months. I don't really know how long. Yeah, over two months, I think. Um, so then when you were leaving, I was like, wait a minute. We don't even know what we want to do the first podcast about. But this is perfect. You, it's perfect to talk to you. You literally just got an awesome bike and also uh, have all sorts of interesting things to say about cycling and cycling photography. So um, nailed it. First guest. Um and then we did just record uh, 15 minutes and uh, lost it because something wasn't recording. But that allowed Nick to appear uh, on the scene because he is the rightful co-parent of this podcast, willing it into existence for the last year. So thanks for hanging in. Yeah. Glad I, uh, I, glad I just popped down, yeah. uh, so to speak. Yes. Um, we won't tell people that you live in the upstairs penthouse. <laughs> exclusive ac- access, yeah. uh, red velvet rope and everything. Yep. Uh, and we have to thank Michael for uh, connecting all of this gear that we bought impulsively last year uh, and I had no idea how to operate. So Michael's the newest, uh, newest part of the fam here at Rodeo Labs and then has these latent ninja audio skills. So um, he's, he'll get all of the setup. And uh, and we finally hit record. So, Natalie. Can you double check that we're recording? I resent that. <laughs> yes, we are recording. I see red lines on the monitor. This this is good. I mean, yeah, we're really doing it. So The first 15 minutes, there was an air quotes on recording, but yeah. no one can really see the air quotes. Yeah, you, <laughs> you were jamming uh, the signal because you weren't yet in position. Um, and it couldn't have really happened without you. Um. So Natalie, we're we're gonna talk about you with you today, uh, and we have a bunch of fun stuff to touch on. Uh, but before we talk about your bike, which to me is an interesting, but not the most interesting part of this, uh, let's hear about who you are and uh, how you arrived at where you're at. You're a professional cycling photographer. Uh, that's probably only one of the things you're great at. Uh, and I just found out today that you are graduating with your master's degree mm-hmm. in marketing today. 
No, Monday. Monday. Well, Monday's my last class, so I consider Monday the graduation day. Technically, I don't have commencement until December, but I'm not going, so. Okay. I got so edgy. Wow, yeah. You know? You sound very I just excited. don't like actually standing up in front of people. I'm not really good at that. I don't think we're allowed to stand up in front of people right now. Oh, so. yeah, right. There would be digital anyways, so. Yeah. There you but go. You, you're one of the few people in this building besides Nick uh, with it. Michael, do you have a higher education? He's, He's got he headphones. can't even hear us. He's editing. Michael, college degree, yes or no? College degree, yes or no? No. no. See? Nick and Natalie taking over the world. The rest <laughs> of us are along for the ride. Oh. Yeah. Just waiting in the wings. <laughs> so, all right. Take us back to uh, how did Natalie Starr, the professional photographer in Denver, arrive here? Okay, I'm going to give you the abridged version since the first 15 minutes were long. It was a good warm-up. Oh, yeah, it was a great warm-up. It got me got me moving. Um, I'm from South Florida originally, so I was born and raised in a little tiny town called Wellington, which is like the number one equestrian town in America. Um, as a kid, I did every sport you could imagine, but bikes was not one of them, and I never stuck to any of them. And then in school, I studied sign language and was pretty dead set that that was going to be my career path. I was going to go be a sign language interpreter. And then my teacher told us that one of the top students in our classes didn't pass the testing to become registered for interpreting. Because they're the vigorous testing. It's insane. Um, and I was like, well, <laughs> he can't do it. I'm definitely not going to be able to do it. So Did you ask for a refund at this point when the <laughs> teacher told you her top student didn't graduate? I didn't. Miss <laughs> Unser would kill me for Sorry. kill me if she heard I me apologize. saying this. <laughs> I thought teachers' uh, purpose was to to inspire and, and make you dream of things and, and not shoot them down. No, I mean she she Everyone was a wonderful in class, teacher. Give up. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, maybe you know that was like fate's way of saying like, well, this wasn't the direction yeah. for you, anyways. Um, so I took photography and then didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I pursued photography as a career and um and or degree, I should say, and got my BFA and. Uh, or I got my AS in Daytona Beach, Florida, and then um, kind of got into fashion photography and was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to move to New York City. So I picked up everything and with my classmates, a couple of my classmates, we moved to Brooklyn. And um, the first few months there were like terrible. Uh, <laughs> I worked at Starbucks. I didn't have any money in my bank account at the end of the month. Like all you did was drink and work and that was it. And finally I got into FIT, which is the Fashion Institute of Technology and pursued my BFA in fashion photography. Um, tried to drop into the fashion industry by working for a couple studios. I interned. I will say that there was an internship that I took when I first moved there with the two fashion uh, photographers called Herring and Herring. And they were really big inspirations for me with my work and everything. And they're still friends. Um, and I worked fashion week with them and I worked my butt off, uh, for free and, uh, while working two full-time jobs. <laughs> and then I worked for another prestigious, uh, fashion photographer. And I just finally realized after five years, I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. All I do is work. So wait, this sounds like it has a lot of parallels with cycling where, uh, <laughs> From the outside. That was me on like, the way in here with my headwind. Like, I'm not going yeah. anywhere. <laughs> Where, you know, and the outside, the cycling industry is this magic box of people living the dream. And that's how I think of the fashion industry of just cool, creative people making awesome things and just generally fabulous. Um, sounds like a grind. Yeah. Yeah. It was, 
it really affected me. Like, I mean, I would be in school full time. I would work at the Bowery Hotel and events catering. So I'd work in the nights doing that. I'd work full time in the days. And then on the weekends, I'd work from like 6 a.m. to like 9 p.m. Saturday and Sunday at the fashion studio. And I mean, I was working 60, 70 hours a week counting school. And I mean, I made like 12 bucks an hour at that studio. You weren't living the dream. No, it was quite miserable. Fashion is a grind. And, um, it's pretty cutthroat. People are mean. Yep. Not to give the story away, but it is a building block in it, right? You have to acknowledge where you come from. Totally. Yeah. You're right. Mm -hmm. It's like, thanks for keeping me humble. Nick Nick. from the future knows that how the story ends. Weird. I wonder how he knows that. (laughs) Okay. So you just moved. Um, yep. So I picked, I sold everything, all my camera gear. All, I had a studio set up and everything and sold everything except for my ca- one camera body and one lens. I packed up my dog and the Mini Cooper and all my stuff and drove out to Colorado. And I think about six to eight months later, I was on Tinder <laughs> and I came across a professional road cyclist and became friends with him. And then I started digging into the cycling industry and I was kind of like, this is pretty cool. And I actually came across the Grubers, which you guys are really good friends with. And I was like, their work's beautiful. This is so cool. So you found cycling, you met this guy, he was a cyclist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you you started thinking maybe this would be fun to shoot. Interesting subject matter. Um, I think I kind of fell into it more on a, like, I want to ride my bike. I want to ride a bike thing and see, like, this is a great exercise thing. Got it. Um, And then when I came across all the photography and all of that stuff, that's when I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I could see myself shooting this. Let's see how this goes. Um, And so I messaged him and I was like, hey, Danny, you want to go shoot some photos sometime? And he's like, well, actually, I'm going to Florida to team camp. But here's another guy's number. And that's how I met Greg Daniel, who it turned out to be a really good friend of mine. And Greggy and I would go out and shoot all the time. And things just started to kind of like snowball in a positive way. Could we way. refer to this as the sunflower period? I just remember you taking, no, that, that was, was Liam. That was Liam, mm-hmm. the sunflower photos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like those. That's yes, my mom's that favorite shot. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should yes. link some of your photos in with this podcast when we post it so people can see more of your yeah, work. Obviously, we'll link them to your website. Yeah, um, well, there's, but, you probably, I can give you more stuff than okay, what's on my cool. website. All right. Um, yeah, I, uh, that shot was really cool. Um, we, so Greg and I would go out and shoot all the time and things would snowball. And, and then after a while I was nannying at the time and I was like, well, I need to just like do something with my life other than nanny and maybe photography can play a role in it. So I just started, started getting my degree, my MS degree in marketing. Um, and slowly but surely I took an internship, which led to a job. And then Someone, I don't remember who it was, was like, hey, the USA Pro Cycling or the new USA Pro Cycling is looking for a digital and social media manager. Um, You should apply for the job. I know you're getting that degree and this and that. And so I did and I interviewed for the job and they offered me the job and I turned it down. And then I went into work at this agency and they were like, and we have to let you go. (laughs) And that was all in the same day, right? Same day. So like literally like the moment he said, like, I can't keep you on board. I was like, I got to go make a phone call right now. And like walked out of the meeting and like called them and was like, I'll take the job at the race. So that kind of opens. That'd be a really good scene in the movie. The movie? Where you're like, hold that. I'll take it. 
I'll take it. That's like a power move right it there did, to yeah. tell someone, hey, like you're letting me go, but I don't need to hear what you're going to say right now. I need to go do something else. Yeah, it really did kind of feel like a power move. I will say I felt really like <laughs> really badass with it. Um, <laughs> and then the job was just such a great job. Like I had so much fun doing that event and everything. And then they changed management and I was like, well, now what? Like I lost my job unexpectedly. I was pretty upset about it. And our PR guy was like, you know, you're really talented. You know what you're doing. Why don't you see if you could freelance and and work that out? And I fully expected to fail. And like, I gave myself like three months and I was like, you can do it for three months and then we'll go from there and see what happens. And 2018 ended up being like a super rough year when that was the year that I lost the job. And, um, two years later, I'm still doing it. And it's really it just shocking. kept going. Yeah. And it just picked up, but don't get me wrong. Like, you know, the first year was terrible. A lot of people want to know, or maybe think that, yeah, I'm just going to pick up a camera and be a photographer and people are going to pay me to do it. Uh, it seems like one of the most improbable outcomes now, but I think that there's, I mean, look at all these products for sale for influential cycling, you know, or mm-hmm. photographers and everybody's living this dream of following around shooting the girl in the canoe. And like, it must be really easy to be, you know, a photographer. And it just doesn't seem like that's true at all. Like, how do you actually break through to say, everyone says they're a photographer. Uh, and a lot of people have mind bogglingly great cameras. So what made you able to go from, you know, I'm starting from scratch. It's 2018. How do you go to somebody and say, you need to hire me to make images for you and get them to do it and take you seriously? Um, I'm going to tell you, I actually don't know because I've never had to do that. Well, great. I'm glad I asked I, a bad question. So you could, <laughs> you could give us a, a more accurate representation. She, she cracked the code in a different way. <laughs> but, but I think that's, see, that just shows you what I think. Like, I don't know how you start becoming a professional photographer, but like... How do I, you know, how would I do it if I were starting from scratch? And we're not going to leave a trail of a recipe of how to do it. But you obviously had something a lot of people don't because there aren't that many people who are able to push through and make that, you know, who they are and what they do. And put out the work that you do. Yeah. I mean, we we touched on this in our uh, mysterious 45 minute podcast, but I'm stubborn, like it was kind of a whole mental process of like, okay, I tried to do this in New York and I failed. We're going to do this now. And if it doesn't work, then this is never happening again. Like it's either going to work or you're not shooting photography anymore. And I tell people all the time, even now during COVID, they're like, well, what if you get a job? If I get a job right now, I will not come back to photography. It's just like, you can only try so many times or it's just, yeah, it's you have hard. to put so much of yourself into it. It's that's, so hard. That's a big ultimatum, right? It is, right? But that's one of the things that keeps me from from giving up, that's right? It's a bit of like a driver too, right? Yeah, for sure. Because I don't really want to work for anybody else. I also love what I do. Like I was telling someone the other day that I don't just get to shoot pictures. Like I love being on the bike. I love the bike community. I love the where the places that all bikes take me and they take me everywhere in the world. Right. Like I have fun doing this and how many people can say that they love their jobs. I think more are doing, are able to say that now because a lot of people are coming out and doing their own thing. But there was a lot of time. I mean, like there was a lot of times in my other job where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm not really that happy. I'd rather no, be out I think shooting. Just getting to the end of a work day is 
the standard experience of having a job is, all right, I need to go to be at this place for a while and I'm watching the clock hoping that eventually it gets to four or five and then I get to go be who I am after work. And yeah. the idea that you get to be who you are when you're working, yeah, it's really, I think it, it's exceptional. I think it's an ideal culturally right now, everybody, or not everybody, but a lot of people want to do that. Um, but that's so much harder it really is. Then it seems maybe, I don't know. Well, and it's not to say that like, I don't have my down days, right? Like I was in Crankworks in August. I was up there shooting for two weeks straight and I'm talking up in the morning until sunset. Then we go shower and eat and then we go out and drink, right? Like two weeks of that. I came home and I got strep throat, but I had two or three shoots lined up that week that I had to do anyway. So I photographed those three shoots with strep throat. You know, like that's, that's my work. I don't work day to day. I don't work. I mean, I do work nine to five because I do social media, freelance social media, but like my days are much more intense than what people think they are. And there's also day, there's also months when there's no clients, right? Like in the winter time, a lot of time I don't have any clients. So like if I go out and create work, that's on me. Yeah. How do you get through the fear of a down period when you haven't had any work for a week or a month and you think that's it. No one will ever hire me again. Or what happened? Where did it all go? Um, do you just have enough confidence at this point that it'll come back around? Yes and no. I actually, when I first started working for myself, someone, um, recommended a book, you are a badass at making money. And one of the top things I took from that book was that if you sit there and stress about jobs coming in, they're less likely to come in as opposed to you sitting there and saying the money is going to manifest itself. This job is going to manifest itself. Your mentality changes and things come naturally. So whenever I start to stress, I just tell myself like, you know what? It's going to, it's going to work out. Jobs are going to come in. Like I'm good at what I do. I have plenty of support. People talk about my work all the time. You know, like it's a unique style for the, for the industry, the, the cycling industry, it's going to happen. So yes, it's a mix of confidence, but I think it's also just believing. Yeah. That, you, you've built a process, right? And you're, yeah. you're letting go and you're trusting it. Yeah. Oh man. And I'm not very good with trust. <laughs> so like, I, I mean, I, you know, I tell people all the time, like, Working for myself and doing this has been the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life. And it's not just, it's not just going out and shooting, right? It's like dealing with the mental health battle of it all. It's dealing with, you know, the confidence level, the self-esteem level of it, the competition level, like how to handle relationships, how to handle partnerships, how to handle relationships that don't go the right, the direction that I'd want them to go. You know, it's been, I, man, I had to learn how to do my own taxes. <laughs> Like, it's the worst. Yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's been hard. And I actually, like, got to leave a review for one of my colleges recently. And I put in there that, like, I really wish that they taught business classes for the students in the photography department. I think most artists are terrible at business. It's really rare to see someone who can make something beautiful that can also handle the left brain administration part of their craft. Yeah. Which can undermine... There's so many brilliant people who don't know, you know, who aren't as successful as they could be because they, maybe they just never remember to invoice their own client. 
Um, not, not saying that's you, but I've run across those people, freelance designer types who just love to do the work and never remember that like you need to send an invoice at the end of it. Um, yeah. and then they'll do it six months later and then the clients, you know, so like creative versus, uh, you know, analytical or whatever those two types are, um, teaching yourself the business side of photography. Yeah. It's been, it's been an interesting experience and I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. So I, we will never not talk about photography here. Uh, cause I think rodeo, the only reason we get to exist is because we, we put the first thing we ever did up on Instagram was like, here we are having a beer coming up with a new thing. And, and I think we're going to call it rodeo. And, uh, if you want to see what happens, keep following. And that was the first post we ever did. And it was a photo. And then everything we've ever done is photos. Uh, so we're going to always be touching back on this, but I think a lot of people sort of would love a quick, like if I'm a normal person riding a bike, uh, what would, what would I ask, you know, a cycling photographer, what, like someone who's got that craft by the handlebars, uh, how do you, how do I do it? How do I make my own photo better? Um, cause they never seem to be as good as it is. I'm like, Oh, this moment I'm having, I'm going to get my phone out and click and yeah, that's not what it was. So what can I do to make it more like what it was? I think my biggest thing is I'm all about lighting. So putting in a moment of time to mess around with the, where your subject is versus the lighting when you're taking a picture is, is a huge step for getting what you want. And that may be that you have to move your, your bike. We're going to use the bike as a subject because obviously, but your bike into different positions, like kind of like a sundial. I think of it, you know, put the bike at, put the bike at nine, put the bike at 12, put the bike at two and, and see which lighting's better because you may be trying to get this beautiful view, but the reality of it is, is that the way the light's hitting is just not going to give you what you're seeing. And no offense, but cameras can't capture everything. You know, our minds capture so much more. So sometimes you can't get exactly what you're seeing. But, and if you, if you're someone who wants to like really pick up a camera, like a handheld camera and do it, not just an iPhone, I say take some time to learn your apertures and shutter speeds and ISOs because once you learn to figure out the playfulness of those and what you can accomplish with those, it really can open doors for you. And of course, this is a cyclone. We can go down into a hole on all of this, but um, those would be my two advice bits and pieces. Learn, learn the tool and iPhones are really actually very good, but um, you can't really control them the way that you can, you can. a professional camera. No. Or, you know what it might actually also be too is because it's, you know, the iPhone is all just algorithm and it's trying to find the best shot. But I think that a lot of people learn from their failures. And so if you're actually experimenting with the camera on manual, like everything, you know, you're setting your own aperture, shutter speed, ISO, um, you're probably going to fail. Yep. But then you understand the dynamics and the relationships of like what those three things paired together do. And then you're going to probably be able to make a better photo. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't tell you, I was out shooting recently, um, at Trestle with my group of friends and I had changed my settings cause I had been shooting studio earlier in the week. And those are two totally different spectrums when it comes to photography. And I looked at all the photos afterwards and most of them were blurry. Most of the writers were blurry and I was so frustrated and oh. I was like, and they weren't like insanely blurry. They were just like slightly blurry. It's like, you know that they could have been crisper. Right. And 
I sent my friend a message and I was like, I like, I'm so frustrated. I please tell everyone I'm so sorry. And she's like, Natalie, none of us are going to (laughs) notice. I was like, but I notice it. Right. So yeah, you have to go out and fail. But now I'm now when I go out and shoot, I'm going to be more mindful of that. Right. Like that's a lesson I've learned. So. I've learned to make sure that the podcast is actually recording. <laughs> There's a memory card. <laughs> yep. I'm learning as well from my failures. Um, so tell us about this bike that you've built, the the floral bike. The floral bike. The only one I've ever seen, which doesn't mean it's the only one anyone's ever done. But, um, you know, I got wind of this idea through you, I threw out of this idea of, Hey, what, what do people want to see? Give me some fun bike themes. And when things are slow with COVID, we'll just pop out some mock-ups of interesting looking bikes and paint. And you were like the first person (laughs) you were like flower bike go. Um, and I did some, uh, I and what I made was almost like not makeable in my mind. It was sort of like, these are just too ambitious, uh, but they're fun to mock up. Uh, Little did I know that uh, you were going to make it happen. So what happened? Where where did your, uh, how did your bike come into existence? Uh, well, I think I've been wanting a bike from you for probably about five years now. So. Man, now I feel like a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry you didn't get one sooner. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I mean, the reality of it was is I wouldn't have been able to afford one back then, right? Like, much less one like this. And I'm glad that we waited and we, we did it right. That's true. Like a little sooner. It wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. It wouldn't have all come together. No. Um, I was riding a specialized before this and it was a little slightly too small bike for me. And a couple years ago when I was mountain biking, I fractured my kneecap and I didn't realize that I'd done that and I didn't get it taken care of until nine months later. And I tried to get back on the road bike and it just, it was so painful. I think from the injury and from like the atrophy of all the muscles and everything that had happened, riding a road bike was just not comfortable. So I stopped riding a road bike for a year and a half. Um, and then back in 2016, I'd done a, this event called Chef Cycle, which is a 300 mile ride in three day put on by No Kid Hungry. And it's a fundraising charity ride that they do. They bring chefs from all over the world in and they ride to raise money. I think last year they raised about $2 million for no, no kid hungry. Um, and Adele had reached out to me earlier in the year and she was like, Hey, do you want to come back to chef cycle this year? We're doing it in Bend, Oregon. Um, can you photograph from the bike? And I was like, yeah, let's do this. I've been wanting a new bike anyways. So like, let's make this happen. So we kind of like started everything to get the bike going and, um, my bike fitter was like, you need to go with this size and this and that. So put it all together. And then you had done that call out about flo- like prints. And I was like, floral, because I just love flowers. And you have that seat. <laughs> you have this inspiring bike seat. Yeah. So I have a Machines for Freedom Specialized Mimic, which I really love. And it has the floral print of their jersey. And they're a good client of mine. Plus, they're all friends and they do really wonderful things for the women's cycling scene. Um, and I wanted to mock it off of that. But I also really love peonies and I love like the orange and yellow and all this stuff. And so I called Chris, who I've known for a few years. He was actually one of the first um, people that I got an image published of. And Chris has always talked about opening a paint shop for as long as I've known him. And he used to work with a, um, a bike company and a paint shop up in Boulder and recently left to start his own thing. 
And I ran into him at Wheat Ridge and he was like, oh, I'm opening a paint shop. And I was like, cool. Well, I'm going to get a new bike this year. So we'll talk about it. And then you put that the floral print out and I was like, oh, Chris, like we got to do this. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm thinking this cannot be done. <laughs> and he's all about it. And so him and I sat down for a couple hours and I gave him like the rundown of the color scheme that I was looking for. And um, I let him run wild with it. I let him do what he wanted and he crushed it. It wasn't at all what I was anticipating. I was expecting something slightly different, but I'm really happy with what he did. Yeah, it's subtle. And I think the best design is design that uh, takes a minute to take it all in. Like it, yeah. it kind of invites you to look a little closer. And the more you look at your bike and look around, you know, up and under the fork and wow, is that that's gold leaf deep down in that clear coat reflecting back at me. Uh, it's way more fun to discover. So he, he put heart into it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it kind of reflects me, right? You know, I had a friend comment on it in my post and he was like, that's a hundred percent you. And it huh. is. Cause like, I've always loved florals. I'm always bright. You know, the gold leaf foil matches the lighting that I like to use. I love golden light. Um, it's, it's kind of subtle, but also loud at the same time, which is very me. And then he put like a little gold leaf foil hummingbird on there, which was a little add on that I sent to him because uh -huh. I want that so bad, but I'm not a hummingbird, but I, I'm like, how can I adopt that as a part of I'm totally like, a hummingbird. What are you? Oh, I, I mean, come on. I'm a donkey. Oh. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> Walk right you, into Nick? that one. <laughs> well, thank you for asking Madeline. I've been wanting to say that the whole podcast. <laughs> What about you, Nick? Oh gosh, I'm on the spot. I have no idea. I'm. I mean, I guess I'll have to resort to childhood. I always just thought I was a monkey, so Ooh. just kind of goofy sometimes, have, but not all the time. Have hit us in the in the email and whatnot, and said I'm really interested in getting a trail monkey. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, well, strike one for not getting the name right, uh, but strike two, maybe we should make a trail monkey someday. And that's why I know you want to have a farm. Oh uh, yeah bike farm yeah so for misfits so to me what is not evident with a with a project like that and so first of all we haven't seen a lot of bikes that look like this why because it's so hard to do i think he had that frame for three months yeah uh, he did and it's not like he worked on non-stop for three months but i think that's part of why it's great is that he could look at it think about it roll around his head and then decide what he, he thought should happen. So he's like staring at the blank canvas with your arms folded and then you finally just have at it. But then he started, you know, showing photos of like that highly intricate masking and things. And I thought, who has the patient to patience to mask the whole frame off just to do the outlines of the flowers? And then you do another layer with the red and then you do another layer with the soft airbrushed orange so that the flowers look like you know, like they have depth. Um, I don't think anybody understands at a glance why it's such a difficult project, but I think the rarity of it and the uniqueness of it is informs just, yeah, nobody's really been that ambitious, uh, you know, that I've seen again, somewhere out there, everything's been done. Um, but in the way that he pulled it off, it's pretty exceptional. The amount of love that went into that thing. Oh, that's a bike of love for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. not really a transaction bike. Uh, someone is going to ask how much, I don't know how much it would cost to do that. I would have to ask Chris. Uh, and I'm sure I would, when he tells me I will be like jaw on the floor and, but that's worth it. If, if you value an artist's time, then, then, you know, that's what it costs. 
Um, so someday I'll know, but for now I'm like, well, I don't get to have one. Uh, like that's so ambitious. I want one and I'm not going to have one anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, I will say, you know, that's what happens when you get creatives together. Yeah. Creatives who support each other, right? Like I'm a firm believer that you support other creatives. They're not competition. We don't view them as that, right? Like we all work together to create something magical and that's what you get. That's the end result of getting a bunch of really wonderful and intelligent creatives together. And my girlfriend, Molly contributed to it as well. She's a killer graphic designer. And like, I hit her up because Chris was like, yeah, like I don't really, I'm an, I'm a painter, but I'm, I'm an artist, but I'm not a drawer. Like I don't know how to draw. And so I went to her for help for that. And so she contributed to the like outlines of the floral as well too. And it was just really cool to see the teamwork come together and the love. And it's like, yeah, this is not just my child. Like (laughs) this is everybody else's too. And everyone will high five us and they'll be like, great job, Rodeo. And I'm going to just say, uh, well, thanks. Like we made a frame uh, and we really like Natalie and, you know, she got a frame, but almost nothing that you see is because Rodeo made it happen. It's just because of all this whole other group of interesting people put their heads together and then showed up yesterday with the finished product. And we were all just as surprised as anybody else. So for me, watching people pick up something that you've done and take it somewhere that you can never take it is easily one of the most fun parts of anything that we're doing right now. Um, it's like, wow, this story is way more diverse than it would be if it was just whatever I could pull out of my own head or, you know, Drew or Jen Sheldon, you know, everybody, um, that's, you know, in the rodeo sort of part of the company. Like it it is way more interesting when you get the outside people, you know, sort of pollinating the ideas and taking them to another level. So yeah. it's going to be really hard to, people just, they're like, oh, another great, that's another great one, Rodeo, the hits <laughs> keep coming. And I'm like, oh shoot, like, uh, are we going to run out of ideas? Like, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what we're going to do next, but it, usually it's a customer or, you know, in your case, a friend just comes and says, here's this thing I want. Uh, can you help me turn it into something? So it's the outside ideas that come in that cross our dashboard that make it, again, better than it would be if it was just us. And then I've never had a custom bike before. Yeah. And so like, this is, this well, is like my. Mic drop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I knew, I mean, like if you're going to do it, do it. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, you set the bar pretty high. Then. <laughs> yeah. You know what else I like about your, your build, uh, is that it, like, it's a really beautiful work of art frame, but you didn't have to go silly with your components to make it work. It's got just standard, really good Easton wheels. You didn't have to like put, you know, some deep dish ultra over the top, anything on it. So it's really functional. Uh, it's going to get ridden. Uh, well, that was, yeah, that was the point, right? Yeah. It's, it's in, we, you know, we all want to see it get dirty. Uh, so you're going to have to take some photos of your your bike in different light for us. Okay, we'll do. Um, I'll set it up each Sunday. Yeah, it's a it is a machine for freedom. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, where you can, you know where are you going to take it? Uh, what's like you know it's it's almost August. We've got months of good weather. Yeah. So, what uh, what's on your radar for things that you want to take on on your because you've you've done road biking, you've done a lot of mountain biking, so now you have this adventure bike. Yeah. Well, since it's been so long since I've really ridden a road or gravel bike, I have to build up to it. But I'm planning to go to Idaho. So next you're gonna ride month. to Patagonia? Yeah, I think Dang, so. Natalie. Maybe Iceland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna just triathlon it, you know. 
biathlon it. A ride and then swim. Yep. And then ride. Um, but no, I, I mean, I'm going to go to Idaho next month to see some friends and I would, and they were talking about the gravel roads out there. So I'm going to ride out there and shoot out there. And I'm trying if COVID happens, lets us like open the doors again, but I want to go to, um, Australia in February for a month. So mm-hmm. it would definitely be going to Australia with me. Um, but I, when I travel for work, I always bring my bikes. So they all get to go with me to different so places. Who's protecting this work of art, by the way. Oh, Upland Stoke? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're going to wrap it in yeah, it's clear, getting wrapped. Mm-hmm. clear vinyl or protector. Yeah. They, ha- yeah. they, so they started making them for mountain bikes and I really love the coverage that it does on my mountain bike. And mind you, that thing has been thrown down many hills. Um, so I'm pretty pumped to put it on my mountain bike. Yeah. I mean, I am um, gravel bike. Mm-hmm. Cool. 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 Um, what did we miss, Nick? Um, not, you know, not to put you, but I'm putting you on the spot. Spotlight's on me for a hot second till I can pass that potato right back to Natalie. <laughs> oh, what's next, Natalie? Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to prematurely end this discussion on the bike. I'm always geeking out on photo stuff, though. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I think. I guess pairing this whole conversation together, me and my ramblings, um, you know, a question in the mysterious episode that I asked you about that somehow never got recorded was, uh, <laughs> what, how do you stay inspired? And, and I think I'm starting to kind of pull some themes or threads here together. And, um, part of it is just seeing what other people are doing. Part of it is just like seeing how other artists can kind of contribute and like you, you bounce those ideas off of you. So I think, probably, um, I mean, what keeps you inspired, but I would also say like, you just got a new bike, you know, that just had a labor of love put into it. Um, clearly that's going to be a point of inspiration, but you know, in these times of COVID where maybe you don't get to go to Australia when you were hoping to go or, um, you know, everyone else's plans have been canceled. Like, how do you, how do you keep that excitement, um, for photography or just staying active, you know? Yeah, it's been hard. I won't lie. You know, I, I, I go through bouts of it and there's some, and I find a lot of it has to do with how, how tired I am, how much I've been doing. Um, but with COVID especially, it's been, it's been on the lower side recently, but I'm slowly building back up. And a lot of it has to do with the, with finding new artists, right? Like I love finding other creatives that, that go out and do work that I'm just like, this is so cool. Like, why am I not doing this? Natalie, you should be doing something like this. Like, you are totally on this level. And, you know, Steve had mentioned in the mysterious episode, like, oh, I just get, I just get angry when I see that type of stuff. Oh, I get angry and work. jealous. <laughs> good work makes me crazy uh, and insecure. And you see something someone else made that you're just like, I don't know if I have that in me. Uh, it's scary and exciting. And then it makes you really competitive. Yeah. Well, see, and I, I get that initial reaction at first, but the competitiveness turns into more motivation. Um, And for me, it makes me go get up, get up, get outside, go shoot, go ride, go do something fun. You, you only live one life. Like you only have so much time that you're able to do this, go do it. And so that's what pushes me. And I have a list of like, 25 amazing females that I've been shooting, um, wonderful cycling photos and they shoot other stuff too. But, um, 
I follow a bunch of creatives and that's like how I keep myself moving is like looking at their work and being like, Oh, that looks so cool. I'm going to, I want to go and do something like that. You know, like I want to go take a bunch of cyclists and I want to go do Jones pass and photograph the entire ride. Like, you know, I, I, can I come? Yeah, can you, yeah, you can come. Can you bring the donkey? <laughs> you know, I will. <laughs> can you bring your monkey, Nick? <laughs> My trail monkey. <laughs> <laughs> my inspiration gets pretty one dimensional sometimes. I like, I, you know, the algorithm has put you in a box if you hit like the search button online and then it shows you all the things it thinks you want to see. Mm-hmm. And you're like, doggone it. It's gravel bikes and old cars. Like, I am <laughs> one dimensional. Like, I have, like, I need to follow way more interesting and cultural activities outside of this tiny little lane that I live in when I'm lazy. So finding external inspiration. It's, it's a big key player for me. Like it really pushes me to get up and do stuff. And also like, I just don't really do, do well sitting still. And if I sit still for too long, then I fall into this like rut of like doing nothing. And so it's hard to get out of it. So I just try to keep moving. And when it comes to like riding, I will be honest, it's been so hard to ride because of COVID. Like I, I'm at home. I live alone. I work alone, you know, when I'm working because there hasn't been many jobs coming in. I don't want to ride alone. Like I'm a social person. Like I like to be around people. So the new bike has really inspired me. I would have driven here today normally. Right. Yeah. But I rode my bike in today and it was great and I loved it and I got to test out the new bike. It's not fit to me yet, but it's so much better than the other one. Cool. Well, yeah, I hope, uh, I'm obviously watching anyway, but like, I just can't wait to see like places you go on that bike and, you know, it's an adventure machine. Adventure is an overused word, but like the idea of going somewhere, doing something that you're not fully understanding what the outcome will be or what experience you'll have. I really like it when people get to that place on our bikes. So. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to start tackling climbs that I've been wanting to do, but have been fearful of doing because A, I'm not a very good climber and B, I don't really want to do them on my road bike because they're dirt climbs, right? So No more excuses. No, she doesn't have any more. Uh-oh. Adventure starts when <laughs> oh. you get off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm currently sitting on one, so I guess yeah. it starts in whenever we're done here. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, well, thank you. Thanks for letting us pepper you. I have a feeling we'll just have you back. We'll do with the Natalie check-in. What have you been shooting lately? Where have you yeah. been lately? Where can people see your work? Or what's one new thing that inspired you? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Nick's going to keep me uh, on my toes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not to keep you working too hard. <laughs> as far as the podcast goes, if this one did record and we don't quit podcasting after episode one, we have a lot of ground to cover. Uh, we'll talk about what's going on here at the company. Uh, I am not from the bike industry, uh, but all of a sudden I'm in... I don't know if it's the middle of it, but I feel neck deep in it now. And I think it's really fun to show people um, a little bit how this is done at Rodeo and like what we're about. Uh, we've got really cool people working here that all will get to have a voice and kind of ask them what they're up to. Uh, and then I want to bring people from the outside that aren't, I don't care if you're on our bike or not. Uh, that really doesn't mean anything to me. What is like, are you doing interesting things or creating cool things? Um, you have a story you want to tell us or something you can teach us. That'll kind of be what the podcast is for. I have no idea what our interval will be. I think it's going to be when inspiration hits, but I'd like to do this a bunch because it's fun. I always come away energized from talking with people. There are probably 12 conversations I've had this year that if I could have just recorded them, 
I would have been so happy to have that in the bank. So no more regrets about that stuff going forward. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll get a little bit, um, geeky about gear. I don't think there's any way to not be bike geeks. Uh, and we care a lot about the technical stuff. So sometimes we'll go down that lane and just does this derailleur work with this cassette? Oh, we no, could, we could wax and wane poetic on that. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best tire? All of them. Um, so yeah, well, we have opinions. Uh, and the cool thing, uh, is that we, uh, we ride a lot and we like to see what works. So as far as we can pass that along, uh, we'll do that with the podcast. And, uh, if people want to hear about things or have ideas, uh, pretty easy to find us, um, all over the internet. So, uh, shoot us an email or direct message or whatever and say, here's something I think is really interesting. Could you maybe talk to this person, have them on the show, uh, et cetera. And we'll do it uh, as long as people want to talk to us. So that's the plan. Uh, Michael is our genius, uh, audio guy who, uh, is the newest guy here at rodeo. We found out later that he knew all about this world. So he's our big thank you today for uh, this happening at all. And he will put our outro song after this. Like right now. There. Wait, no. We got to thank Chris first, too. Okay. We got to thank Chris. Michael, stop the outro and restart it when we tell you. Uh, Back it up. Yep. Thank you to uh, Chris at Flux Customs for doing Natalie's bike. Uh, he's doing all of our bikes now. Uh, I'm really scared that he's so good. We will have beyond his three month waiting list soon. Um, but we want him to be super successful because when you find someone who's that passionate about something, you can't help but root for him. So yeah, he deserves it. Nothing can really stop him anyway. No. Um, he's just going to keep blowing minds. Uh, but. I, it's a treat that he did uh, one of his best pieces of work that I've seen on your bike and on our frame. So that's a big thank you to him. And uh, thanks, Natalie. Thanks, for, Natalie. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Sitting down, chatting with us. Yeah, yeah, you helped us make our first episode. That's a big deal. Well, let's make sure it recorded first. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> outro music. Outro. <laughs> yeah. Right. Outro. Okay. All right. Studio audience.